0: Welcome to the TBD Podcast. This week, my producer and I headed out on a field trip. We visited an old building in Los Angeles. It's part of a huge complex of workspaces and living spaces. I know it as the brewery. It's in one of my favorite spots in L.A., on the east side. It's full of giant, old brick buildings that used to be used for manufacturing. When we walk into one of the tallest we meet my guest, Brent Bushnell.
1: Uh, welcome to the circus, you guys. My name's Brent Bushnell. I'm the CEO and roustabout of Two-Bit Circus. Yeah, the roustabout is the uh, uh, old role in the circus of the people who set up the tents and clean up all the animal
0: poop. <laughs> <laughs> very unsexy, but very important, right? Very important role. <laughs> I love that. I feel like there's a trend of people no longer just calling themselves CEOs. They're saying CEO and something or else. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, CEO feels so serious. Feels like you should have like a multi thousand person company. <laughs> well, we
1: joke that that means I'm the chief email opener. So, <laughs>
0: Brent is the co founder of Two Bit Circus, a company that engineers entertainment blending physical and digital interaction stuff like augmented reality mirrors, tequila rain clouds, robot bartenders, and much more. They design and manufacture a mix of spectacle, science, and play. He takes us on a little tour of their building.
1: That humming in the background is our router table cutting out another game cabinet.
0: This space does everything for 2-Bit Circus. It's a factory floor, a testing facility, design space, and office. It's all concrete and brick, narrow but long. While it's maybe 30 feet wide, the building feels longer than a football field. There's a lot of natural light streaming through the huge doors on the far end. Doors big enough to drive a semi-truck through. And the ceiling, it's so high you almost can't see it unless you look straight up.
1: You know, it's a beautiful space. You know, it's a huge old power plant with 50-foot ceilings. Uh, You know, it was built in 1903. Um, it's really been not a, you know, it's been a small part of our growth. Why is it called the
0: brewery? Do you remember?
1: Yeah. So the rest of this complex, so this is the the um, power plant. The rest of it was an old brewery. It was a, it was a paps brewery until the, up until the '70s when the one family bought it, uh, the whole area and turned it into industrial live workspace. But before it was a paps brewery, it was actually a brewery that survived Prohibition.
0: How do you think a space informs creativity?
1: You know, I do think that this building, just the, just the sheer size and, and, you know, the, is, and, and the feeling of it um, is one that, I don't know, it's a nebulous quantity, but it definitely feels like it makes you more creative.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the history of this space alone, I'm sure, informs the business. You can't underestimate the power of a historic place with the type of community that's here. This is 2 Bit Circus's office and manufacturing. For the interview, we head up a spiral metal staircase to an open landing. It's in the middle of the building. This is Brent's office. The space is totally open to the manufacturing and testing space below. There are old circus posters on the wall, design plans and papers cover a desk and tables. It's incredibly kitschy. We sit down on some couches near Brent's workspace and dive in. Yeah, wait, so tell me a little bit more about the company.
1: Eric and I are both engineers, um, and in 2008, you know the world wasn't. Uh, you know there was a the whole whole financial crisis, and he and I were both pretty frustrated with what we were doing at work. So we just started collaborating, making interactive art for fun on the weekends. Um, and it, you know not just that we had a little bit of extra time, but that the tools were getting so much better that you could really accomplish a lot in a weekend. We could set out to build a project and have a working thing by the end of the night, you know, or the end of the weekend. And and so that was really empowering because we could start to throw a lot of stuff against the wall. So we started test. So we started building building. building attractions that we could take to parties and events um, and challenge ourselves to make something new every single month. And so we made an interactive whiteboard. We made a room of laser beams. We made what you know, early versions of what are now called escape rooms. Um, we did GPS-enabled smartphone games that look a lot like Pokemon Go. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And so we were just experimenting with the fact that there was great new technology that hadn't really been applied to entertainment: GPS and accelerometers, and you know, whatever.
0: What does it feel like to see? The technology that you were playing with almost ten years ago now become more mainstream
1: you know it is so you know it's it's really fun to see things that we thought about you know wanting to do and, and attempted you know and attempted to do ten years ago finally turn into real things you know it's sort of it's validating that we were on the right track and we were playing in the right space you know you can't help but feel a tinge of like dang it why didn't we you know we failed at it these other people succeeded you know and i think that that has a lot to do with you know grit and determination and you know we knew generally the space we wanted to play but we weren't so obsessed with gps enabled smartphone games that we just plowed down every barrier to make it happen we were we were obsessed with immersive entertainment, of which GPS stuff, we were excited, you know, we were willing to dabble in, um, but it's almost like we didn't deserve to win in that space because we didn't want it badly enough.
0: Do you think that, I think about obsession and expertise a lot, Um, it's hard to stay broad. Do you think that we live in a world now that, especially in in the tech world, like you have to pick one thing and really dive deep?
1: When I think about what we look for at 2-bit, you know, we're looking for uncorrelated characteristics. And so ideally, we want you to be a specialist in the thing that is like our open job requirement. We need a new electrical engineer. But the thing that will put you over the top and 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 be you know that much more valuable to us is another skill, right? A second skill, a thing that that a demonstrates your capacity for passion in things, but you know and you know b your, your curiosity. You know, we uh, one of our electrical engineers was the world's second ranking unicyclist. That's super rad. Not just because he can unicycle, but you know to to have got, taken it that far shows a, an ability to, to to dedicate yourself to something that hopefully you can bring to our company also yeah
0: so what's your second thing
1: it's a good question i mean i i try uh, you know as many different things as i possibly can i mean i've worked in dna synthesis and fiber optics and was a sushi chef and uh you did know did you take uh,
0: those sushi classes in the arts district at I, that school I,
1: no i did this in colorado actually and i was just training with a sushi chef there uh but i um you know, my second thing, I mean, I've been a, you know, I'm a trained clown. Uh, I love, you know, I love mentorship. Um, so I guess I have a lot of second things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to ask a somewhat odd question, but, um, what lessons, uh, have you taken from being a trained clown into building your company and into leadership?
1: you know clowns get such a bad rap in in America really just in America mostly because you know in a lot of other cultures particularly Europe you know clowns are still special you know uh, 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 entertainers and 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 have a lot more of a place in society but i think the thing about clowning that's so wonderful is you know they encourage you to have what's called a soft mind and a soft mind is really about like looking at the world like it's the first time you've ever seen it and this concept you know there's almost an identical concept in Buddhism called Shoshin which is a beginner's mind and this is like for even things that you know really well how can you look at it with fresh eyes and see look for the things that you don't know and if we're talking about innovating in any domain you really need to have a a soft mind a beginner's mind in order to see the thing that's not there the thing that would make it better the thing that would fix it Um, uh, and so I think that concept applies heavily to business creation because you know by you know by definition uh, you know an innovation doesn't exist yet and the category doesn't exist and you are you know having to build a new you're having to you to build something new that has no constituency. You know, at Two Bit, we've had some you know some moments where we needed to figure out how to reach people that that you know were maybe potentially unavailable, like the CEO of Intel. We were like, gosh, how are we going to get to the CEO of Intel? Like, he's probably not going to read our email, and so we needed to really think about it more. You know, we needed to sort of look at the situation much more broadly and say, okay, what's going to be the right way to, to, you know, to get his attention? And ended up making a very special box and using some chips that Intel had just released and 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 you know our own you know approach and recorded a little video. And so, in this little box, when he opened it, it you know unfurled you know our 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 pitch, and uh, it worked you know we got it, we it one of our partners put it right in front of him and and he loved it and called us that day you know but but if we had just sent an email which would have been the sort of standard response uh, then it wouldn't have worked i mean i think that we looked at this situation like like, if we were just doing it normally, we would have made a LinkedIn request or an email, right? This was an example of, like, looking at communication very broadly and being like, of all the ways that we could talk to this person, like, let's, let's really think broadly about how we, can, how we can, you know, engage in communication. We didn't use any of the standard channels, right? We invented a channel.
0: Yeah, there's a business um, term called think outside of the box. I think it's like a marketing or organizational behavior term. My mom was like, like a consultant growing up and she literally had these hats, these like white and teal hats that said think out of the box. And when you were telling that story, it was so ironic because you literally made a box. We made a box.
1: Yeah. It's very <laughs> different than
0: <laughs> sending an email. So you were thinking outside of the box, but in a box. Is, is soft mind um, just, it sounds like it's almost a way to unpack your existing mode of thinking and then pull the parts pull the pieces apart and then repackage them in a different way. Yeah. Which I is mean, kind of it, like an engineering concept. Yeah,
1: look, look at the system and figure out, you know, how is it that you're gonna lever this system for, for your for the, for the goals that you're trying to achieve. And 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 I really do think that the the Buddhism way of of, of a beginner's mind, like, you know, you can't learn something new without you know embracing the fact that you are not that you're a beginner at this thing you know and that you don't know everything and so i think that's another you know the, sort of the corollary of this is you know the, you are you're a beginner in all of this stuff even things you've done a lot you know you can you you can still you know, get back to thinking about it with a fresh perspective uh you know when uh, uh, i was in clown school again a few years ago, and one of my favorite parts about it is you don't get a nose at first, right? No, you like there's a threshold when you get your nose. At first, it's no you have no nose, and you're just sort of playing around and trying to find your clown. And only you know, m- 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 you know, a few months into it, do you, do you finally get a clown nose. And in fact, your instructor gives you a, a clown name, <laughs> but it takes some time to be able to discover that in lots of exercises. And so, you know, the moment where we were all like given our noses was a real, if you can imagine a scene of like a bunch of goofballs being like given their noses, uh, that's a real distinct memory for me. <laughs>
0: Bit like Burning Man culture, where you're given your playa name by someone else, and you don't know when it's gonna happen, yeah. but it's when you drop in finally. Yeah,
1: it's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah. And it feels a little bit like, a little bit like a metaphor for life, right? Because you, you can wake up every day and kind of go about your business, but you don't really know when something amazing is gonna happen. It kind of just happens, and then it's about how you deal with it, right? Yeah,
1: and and it kind of just happens when you're open to it happening, you know? And, and I think that's really important of, like, a willingness to, like, be available and be, and uh, you know, for amazing to happen. If you are a pessimist and expecting things to be terrible, you might not even see the amazing thing. You might not see the magic, you know? And, and so I think there's a real... You know, like like that whole confirmation bias, you find what you're looking for. And if you're looking, if you're unhappy and you're, you know, you're always looking for reasons to be unhappy, you're going to find lots of reasons to be unhappy. And if you're an optimist, then you probably are going to find really things that are magical and and reasons to be happy. (laughs)
0: Um. So where does faith play in and belief play in for you on on like literally getting out of bed every day like you mentioned the soft mind concept it seems like you've read quite a bit about buddhism um what kind of gets you out of bed every single day besides the company right
1: you know where we've landed as a as a company is is very much you know echoes how i think about the world personally which is uh you know i love to create i love to help other people create and then, you know, to be able to use our creations as a, as a, as a platform, get other kids excited about being inventors and creators and, and have there be a little ecosystem there where they inform each other in both directions.
0: What's like not working? Like what's been hard and how have you kind of muscled through that?
1: Um, yeah, there's, God, it's like all I'm ever really aware of is all the stuff that's not working. Uh, you know, as you grow a company, you can't spend as much time with everybody and so you know the whole concept of like company culture is how do you you know so much of it is how do you maintain the environment that was very easy to convey to everybody when you could all hang out together as you get to 30 and 40 and 50 people how do you ensure that there's a way for that message to be conveyed when you can't spend time with everybody
0: i think the last thing i would love to talk about is how you decide who to spend time with Not from like, not from like a hiring in your company perspective. I mean, like outside of your, your day to day, like who are the people that light you up that really help you live the best version of your life and how do you choose them? I mean, we're in Los Angeles, it's a large city, it's diverse, but it's spread out. I just moved back from New York. I was in New York for eight years and I found that the density there meant that I met a lot more people and here, you know, you can't have five meetings in a day, you can have two. And then you're really, you have to be really picky about who you spend time with. So how do you kind of craft your life in that way?
1: Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. So many cultures have, a word, have a phrases to describe effectively you are who you walk with, right? You're, a, you're an average of the five people around you. And, you know, I think from a really high level, you know, I'd encourage everybody to, to surround themselves with people that are, Capable and curious and interested in life, you know, because that's going to rub off on you. And people who are depressing and 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 pessimistic and whatnot, that'll rub off too. Uh, and and so you really, you know, people who are are striving and and you know out there in the mix are going to encourage you to be out there in the mix. And you know, there's a there's a whole nerd club in Los Angeles, and we all get together once a month and showcase the projects we're working on. And being able to hear even just watching the process of other people going through awesome stuff, right, adds to your own creativity, your own corpus of imagination, and, you know, and, and also gets you a little, you know, a fire under your belly. What are you going to present next year? What are you going to present next month? Um, and, uh, you know, so I think, you know, surrounding yourself with, with, with capable, curious people is, is great. Um, uh, you know, being a mentor, Be a mentor, like to other people that you know, for whether it's kids or other people, you know, breaking into an industry or whatnot. But I I really. Uh, make time to be a mentor um, it's it's a, obviously valuable for the mentee super valuable for you and you know and and uh, you know assuming you have a a a, a, um, a you know ethical approach to, to your your life is going to make be better for the world you know the more people that are capable and and out solving good hard problems, the, the better for everybody
0: What do you think our listeners um, uh, could do in their daily lives to? Be more inspired to um, live their life to the fullest or truest to themselves. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Build something. Be a creator. Really, full stop. Like the the difference from just consuming to actually creating is a, is it sounds small and subtle and is totally awesome and it doesn't even need do not need to go out and like make something brand new that doesn't exist at all like make a nightstand right make a, a, a you know a, a, a card for your grandma just make something don't buy something and I think that the second that you have to go through a little bit of struggle to build something like oh wow sorry that wood doesn't fit together like you're gonna need to learn a little bit about tools in order to solve that or uh, your printer doesn't work like you're gonna need to learn a little bit about you know I mean it's just gonna force you into a space of like having to learn and 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 you know my dad said something I just love which is you know habits kill brain cells (laughs) and it's true you know it's like you when you are having to break a habit and try something new you are by definition like building your brain.
0: I think like creating is a really wonderful uh, response to consumerism and uh especially just on a personal level the the feelings you get from creating something versus the feeling you get from just buying something and owning it it's so distinct Mm -hmm. um you love that thing
1: you won't just you won't just trash it as quickly you know you have a connection to it you have some you have a story it has a story now you know uh that's special
0: even if it's ugly it's still yours you made it you brought it into the world yeah yeah Thank you for being on the show. Oh my
1: god, thanks for having me.
0: Today, 2-Bit Circus has had to move into a new, bigger space. A 50,000 square foot building in the LA's Arts District. Actually, where much of TBD is narrated. You can check it out at 2bitcircus.com. There, Brent and his crew are creating a new entertainment space. Brent's using his soft mind to find new ways to entertain and delight his patrons. Thanks again to Brent Bushnell. If you've enjoyed this episode, check out my previous interviews, where I talk to people like Lauren Zander, a life coach and co-founder of the Handel Group. She'll share with you her insights on lying, loving your dark side, and embracing your freak flag. If you want to learn more about us and listen to back episodes, come on by and visit the show page at livtbd.com. That's live to be determined. We'd also love it if you'd share us with a friend. And thank you for listening to the TBD podcast. This has been a production of TBD, To Be Determined, and is a BurgerWorks project. Special thanks to my producer, Mervin DeGaños, and to the two artists who created our music, Caleb Spaulding and Anna Becker. See you next time.